Well, I have a question for you. It's a, it's a small riddle. And uh, raise your hand. Don't call it out if you know the answer. If you were to look in the Bible, how many people who are named in the Bible didn't have parents? Did not have parents? I have one person who thinks they know. Two. Jesse, how many? Don't name the names, but how many? There were three. My wife says three. Anybody else? Go ahead and name them. Jesse? Adam, Eve, and Melchizedek. Renee, what were you going to say? Joshua, the son of Nun. <laughs> Melchizedek is, is stated to having no beginning, no end. We don't know if it was Christ or not, but... But as far as human beings that were born on the earth, there's only two that we know of who really didn't, other than the possibility that Melchizedek was a true human being and not Christ pre-incarnate. Um, but Joshua, the son of Nun, N-U-N, it's an old joke. It's like, who's the shortest guy in the Bible? Bildad the Shuvite. He's shorter than Nehemiah. Maya. So... <laughs> Yeah, it's old, it's old, it's old. Anyway, but I've been praying and asking the Lord what he wanted me to preach on. And quite honestly, trying to preach through a book of the Bible sometimes gets really dry and daunting and challenging. And I've been praying, Lord, if you want me to read through the Bible, I'll do it. If you want me to preach topically, I'll do it. If you want me to preach over a type of a series, you just tell me. And last week, if you were, if you were not here, and you had a, but you had a chance to listen to the sermon, you heard me say... That God is calling us to a new thing. And I have gotten a, a bunch of feedback this week from people that God is already in their own lives starting to call them out to a new thing. And I'm just like, yes! But one of the things that happened to me this week was my wife and I were invited to somebody's home for dinner and for planning of the next step. And quite honestly, when the person told me that, I was very, very daunted. I was like, oh God, I don't know the next step. And when we got to the meal, truly, they said, so what do you think is next? And I said, quite honestly, I haven't a clue. I am praying and asking God to show me, but I haven't a clue. And honestly, at that moment, I felt like such a failure. Because here I had pronounced, God's going to bring us into this new thing, and God's going to lead us, and now I've got people excited and they're starting to examine their lives and honestly things are, you can't know all of the things that have happened this year, this week, but it's been amazing as your pastor to interact with all of the different people this week and go, wow, wow. But the bottom line, when it came down to it was, I haven't a clue. I know what God is saying, but how? And what? And it, I almost felt, I don't want to say that my knees got knocked out from underneath me, but it almost felt that way. Why haven't you revealed all of the plan to me, God? What's going on? And as I've been trying to prepare this sermon, what God, uh, what God has revealed to me, at least so far, is that I'm going to be preaching character studies over the next number of weeks and or months. So last week we looked at Ezra. And this week, we're going to be looking at Joshua, the son of Nun. And so, I'm, let me open up my notes so that I can point us to the various passages of Scripture. Um, I looked him up in a word search on my electronic Bible. 
And I was looking at the New American Standard Bible and um, came up with 206 references for Joshua. Now, it wasn't all the same guy. There was other people in the Bible named Joshua. As a matter of fact, Jesus' name was probably Yeshua or Joshua. But um, the, the, the guy Joshua is not prominent. There's just a little bit about him. And I was surprised when I went back to the books of the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible, and looked at his verses. And I was like, wow, he's, he's not as big a guy as I thought he was. He's not as prominent in the scriptures as I thought he was. He's a big guy. He has a major role to play. But he's, he's, not, he's not in all of these verses. So let me, let's read some of the verses that he's in and then we'll get an understanding of who he is and then show, I'll show you what God revealed to me about him and how it relates to us. First, if you'll turn with me to Exodus chapter 33. Exodus chapter 33. Moses used to take the tent. This tent was called the tent of meeting. And he would pitch it outside of the camp, far off from the camp. He called it the tent of meeting. And everyone who sought the Lord would go out to the tent of meeting, which was outside the camp. Whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people would rise and stand, each of them, at the entrance of their tents, and watch Moses until he had gone into the tent. When Moses entered the tent, the pillar of cloud would descend and stand at the entrance of the tent, and the Lord would speak with Moses. When all the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, all the people would rise and bow down, all of them, at the entrance of their tent. And thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Then he would return to the camp, but his young assistant, Joshua, son of Nun, would not leave the tent. So there's this situation where Moses, the leader of the people of Israel, has been charged by God with leading this, what some scholars would tell us is more than a million people across a wilderness. And Moses' everyday business was to go and meet with God. And literally, as it says, talk with God as if it were friend to a friend, face to face, and if you read in Corinthians, we read that the, glo the Shekinah glory of God actually glowed off of Moses' face as he was coming out of that tent of meeting because he was in the very presence of God. But Joshua, the assistant to Moses, never left the tent. Now, God's presence wasn't presence wasn't always there because we see it says that the, the cloud would come down and the God would meet with Moses and then apparently the cloud, it's not stated, but it's implied that the cloud would then lift when God was leaving and the meeting was over. But for whatever reason, Joshua felt compelled to stay there. 
in that place. Um, then we're told in Exodus, actually it's not then, it's prior. It's, it's kind of weird the way the story goes, but if you go back to Exodus chapter 24, verse 13, you, re, you don't have to turn back there, I'm just going to read one verse. It says, Moses set out with his assistant Joshua, and Moses went up to the mountain of God. And what we read in this particular section, verses 24, chapter 24 all the way through to chapter 32, just before chapter 33, which is what we're talking about with the, the tent of meeting and Joshua staying there all the time. Joshua and Moses go up to the Mount Sinai where God meets with Moses face to face and gives Moses the Ten Commandments and the law, the Mosaic law. How they are to live, how they are to worship, how they are to set up the tabernacle and the altars and the, the candelabra and the Holy of Holies and the Holy Place, the whole thing. God laid it all out in all of those chapters. And it says that God met with, Moses met with God for 40 days on the mountain. It says he fasted. And Moses was up there with his assistant Joshua for that whole time. Now, we don't know what Joshua was doing the whole time. Was he coming back down and going and getting food? Or what was he, what was he fasting to? We don't know. We're not given any of that. But what we are given is that Moses went up on Mount Sinai to receive from God the full plan of God. And Joshua went up with him. Verse 30, chapter 32, verse 17 says, When Joshua heard the noise of the people in the camp as they shouted, he said to Moses, there's a sound of war in the camp. And what that's referring to is, for all of the 40 days that Moses and Joshua were up on the top of Mount Sinai, getting the word of God from God himself, this is when the people of Israel have abandoned their faith in God and have called on Aaron to fashion the calf out of gold, and then they begin worshiping the calf. So God's like, get down there and get your people. They're, they're, they're turning away from me all the way. And Joshua's saying, man, it sounds like there's a war going on down there. And Moses says, no, that's not it. They're, they're involved with revelry and things that lewdness that they shouldn't be doing. And we got to get down there. So what, the reason I read these two passages is that it just shows us that Joshua stayed with Moses for that full 40 days. Whether he stayed up there the whole time or whether he went back and forth, we don't know. But at the beginning of the time of 40 days and at the end of the 40 days, Joshua was up there being an assistant to Moses. Observing all that went on. Seeing how God interacted with Moses. And then in verse chapter 33, which follows this section, we see that Joshua goes and stays at the tent while Moses is meeting with God. And even afterwards... I don't know if he was there maintaining the tent or if he was just in an attitude of prayer and fasting. I don't know because we're not given any of that. But something motivated this young man to stay close to where the presence of God was. Now, if you go to chapter 31 of Deuteronomy, which is the fifth book of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Chapter 31, verses 1 through 8, it says... When Moses had finished speaking all of the words that he spoke to Israel, he said to them, I am now 120 years old and I'm no longer able to get about. And the Lord has told me, you shall not cross this Jordan. The Lord your God himself will cross over before you. He will destroy these nations before you. You shall dispossess them. Joshua also will cross over before you as the Lord promised. The Lord will do to them as he did to Sihon and Og, the kings of the Amorites, and to their land when he destroyed them. The Lord will give them over to you, and you shall deal with them in full accord with the command that I have given you. Be strong and be, and bold. Have no fear or dread of them, because it is the Lord your God who goes with you. 
He will not fail you or forsake you. Then Moses summoned Joshua and said to him in the sight of all Israel, Be strong and bold, for you are the one who will go with his people into the land that the Lord has sworn to their ancestors to give them, and you will put them in possession of it. It is the Lord who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not fail you or forsake you. Do not be, do not fear or be dismayed. So Joshua, this young man, and the one part of it that we didn't look at was Joshua was also one of the 12 spies that went in and came back with a good report about the the land, he and Caleb. And then the other 10 gave a bad report. And as a result, the people of Israel rebelled and they ended up having to stay in the desert for full 40 years until that whole generation died, except for Joshua and Caleb. But but Caleb, excuse me, Joshua has been an assistant to Moses literally for the entire 40 years. Moses has now reached the end of his time and God has told him, you are not entering into the promised land. It is not for you. You will die here on this mountain. And I want you to anoint, to commission, to lay hands on and, and ordain Joshua as your successor. And so that's exactly what happens. Moses stands up and makes this big profession. This is what God has told me. And Joshua, you were to come up here now. I don't know if he knelt down. I don't know what the deal, but Moses literally in front of all of the nation puts his hands on, on Joshua and ordains him as the new leader. And then, then Moses dies. And the words that Moses got from God to give to the people and to Joshua are, be bold, be courageous, do not be afraid, be strong, don't have any dread, don't have any fear. Why? Because the Lord is going with you. Remember I said at the beginning, he is not telling you to go and staying behind. He is not pulling you and forcing you to go. He is saying, I will go with you as you voluntarily walk the path I set before you. And that's exactly what, what Moses is saying to Joshua. God has declared that this is going to take place. God has ordained that you be my successor. I have now lifted the mantle off of myself and placed it on you in the presence of all of the nation of Israel. Now take that and go to the path that God is leading you down. Be bold, be courageous, do not be afraid, do not be dismayed. Walk in confidence, Joshua. And Moses dies. So, one last thing before we look at Joshua taking the reins. If you look at Numbers, and again, this is just one verse, but I give you the reference for your for future study. Numbers chapter 27, verse 18. So the Lord said to Moses, take Joshua, son of Nun, a man in whom is the spirit, and lay your hand on him. So Joshua was declared by God himself as having the spirit. In Deuteronomy chapter 34, verse 9, it says, Joshua, the son of Nun, was full of the spirit of wisdom because Moses had laid his hands on him and the Israelites obeyed him, doing as the Lord had commanded Moses. And when I read that verse, I was reminded of the story in the book of Acts when the church was struggling because the God had grown the church so much Remember the story was that the church increased in number by 3,000 in one day. And then it says in verse 47, I think it is, of chapter 2, 
daily the Lord added to the numbers of the church. And so the church was growing exponentially, and there were some logistical issues about making sure people were taken care of and provided for. And there was some grumbling saying, well, they're getting taken care of, but I'm not getting taken care of because they don't like me. And so it came to the leaders of the church, and the leaders said, our job is to pray and to preach the word of God. We're not supposed to be waiting tables, but we understand that there's a need for it. So choose from yourselves people that are full of the Spirit and are full of wisdom and discernment so that they can accomplish the work that's needing to be done. So I see that as a biblical principle that whoever is charged with this role of leading or taking care of the ministry is that they have to be full of wisdom and full of discernment. They have to have the Spirit of God on them. And this is from the earliest days of Israel all the way through now in in Acts. It's to to the founding of the church. So knowing all of that now, we've got Joshua who from his young adult life, his early, early days as an adult, all the way through 40 years later, now he's probably 60 or 70 years old, maybe 50 or 60 years old. I'm not sure because we're not given the timeline of his life. But he has watched God move in the life of of his superior, of Moses, He's seen how God has interacted face to face. He saw it face to face right there in the tent of meeting of all the people in the camp. Joshua saw God interacting with Jesus, with Moses face to face. He may not have physically seen it, but he was present when it happened. He learned from Moses how to be a leader. He was full of the spirit of God. He was full of discernment. He was full of wisdom. And he was then publicly lifted up before the entire nation of Israel by the man himself saying, God has chosen my successor. I place the mantle of authority on him and it is now his to take from here on out and I'm gone. So now Joshua chapter 1 verse 1 with all of that understanding of who he is, let's look at (coughs) excuse me, John chapter 1 verses 1 through 10. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, My servant Moses is dead. Now proceed to cross the Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I'm giving to them, to to the Israelites. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, as I promised to Moses. From the wilderness... And the Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea in the west shall be your territory. No one shall be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not fail you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall put this people in possession of the land that I swore to their ancestors to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to act in accordance with all the law that my servant Moses commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, so that you may be successful wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, and you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to act in accordance with all that is written in it. For then you shall make your way prosperous, and then you shall be successful. I hereby command you, and here's the commandment of God, be strong 
and courageous. Do not be frightened or dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. God, you didn't give me instructions on where I'm supposed to go. You didn't tell me how I'm supposed to get across that Jordan River. And God, this is a big country. Where are we supposed to start? How what, what am I supposed to say to these people, God? Why do you think the very first command that God gave him was, don't let your fear and your anxiety overwhelm you. You've got this because I've got you. Why was that the most important thing for Joshua to hear at the beginning of his ministry, at the beginning of his leadership of the people of Israel? Because God saw something going on inside of him that called for it. We're not given that. But can you imagine, as you're standing there, you've been ordained, you've been called forward, you've been honored, you've got 40 years experience. It's now yours to do. I haven't a clue. I don't know where to start. I don't know which way to turn. Oh, God, what in the world are you doing? Do not be afraid. Do not let your fears overwhelm you. You have spent 40 years watching and learning. You are full of my spirit. You are full of wisdom. You are full of discernment. You just need to follow as I lead. Got it? Follow as I lead. How do I follow God if I don't know where you're leading? Well, how do you know where to go if you don't meet with me face to face like Moses did? If you're not spending time with me on a daily basis, and in the, in the, in the case of Moses and Joshua on the mountain, I didn't read that because I wanted to bring it out now. When Moses and Joshua went on the mountain for 40 days, do you know what happened for the first seven days? Absolutely nothing. Why? Because Joshua and Moses fasted and prayed and worshipped for seven days before God even showed up. There's a symbiotic relationship between God and humans. For whatever reason, that's how God chooses to interact with us and relate with us. And it's the same with every single human being. The calling's not the same. The path isn't the same. But the process is the same. If you are a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, and you know that He's real, and that the Trinity exists, and all of the tenets of our Christian faith, then you have exactly the same process of getting to know God, and to be able to learn His voice, and to hear His voice, is spending time with Him. Reading His Word, praying, fasting, meditating... Being silent before him. Be still and know that I am God. The spiritual disciplines that have come from ancient times all the way down to each one of us. Every single one of us have the same process to be able to learn to discern the voice of God. Joshua had 40 years of it being modeled before him. And now the problem was he had to do it for himself. And for whatever reason... 
anxiety seemed to be welling up within him and God was allaying his fears saying, do not let any of this come into your life. You know what is expected, just do it, walk it. I promise you I will never lead you astray, but you have to be listening. I promise you that if you spend time with me, I will be present with you. I promise you that I will provide for all of your needs to the point where your cup is overflowing. Just trust me. Do you trust me? Are you willing, Joshua, to set your feet and fall backwards without trying to catch yourself in any way, shape, or form, trusting that I, even if I wait till the last possible second before your head hits the ground, I will catch you. Do you trust me that much, Joshua? Because that's what this is going to take. I know you got it. I wouldn't have ordained you to be the one. I wouldn't have called you forth 40 years ago to be the assistant to Moses, to be tutored for 40 years. I've invested much in you. But the bottom line is, Joshua, you have got to be willing to fall back into my arms and trust me. Are you able to? Are you willing to? If so, let's get started. And you can read, you can read lots more of this story. How God led him step by step by step. And sometimes they faltered and made mistakes. Because they didn't take time to listen. There's that one story, read about it in, in Joshua, it's about AI. Oh my goodness, one of the worst mistakes he could have made in his whole career. These people came and deceived him. They literally dressed in rags and they dressed, they had old dried up wine, uh, you know, water, water bags or wineskins. They had shoes that were all torn up and they oh, we've come from a long way. Oh, we heard about what I'm you know, we just need you. And so without praying about it, without um, asking the Lord anything, Joshua and the leadership of Israel just enter into a covenantal relationship with these people. And the end result is they find out later that they were lying to them. And now he's given his word that he won't do what he was supposed to do, which was get rid of them. And now he's stuck. So he kind of makes it up as he goes, well, you can be my servants. Our, our, you will serve us all the days of your life. When they weren't even supposed to be there. They were supposed to be removed. God had a reason. We don't understand it. We just know. And so as Joshua walked the path, he needed to be careful to listen to what God asked him to do because he had been trained. Listen for my voice. Listen for my guidance. Spend time with me. Fast. Pray. Worship. I will lead you the path. You just need to trust me. Now, come back to the year 2019. Two Rivers, Alaska. Bob Sugden, the pastor of the Church of the Nazarene, where God has declared, I'm about to do a new thing. I am about to break forth in this wonderful way. I have been calling forth 150 fully devoted followers to be worshiping through this ministry. And God has ordained that I have to stay here for at least another two or three years because I've been here 16 and he won't let me go. And he's calling new people and he's making sure that our bills are paid. And he's providing us over and above what we need by giving us new equipment. And he's blessing us. And he's pouring out and he's saying, can you trust me? Can you truly trust me? Will you fall back into my arms? Even if it feels like you're falling farther than you think you should fall. Are you willing to do it? Yes. But no, because it means 
it's going to cost me something. And what it's going to cost me is this. God has already told me. I already talked to my wife about it. I negotiated with him. He was asking me to fast for seven days, a complete fast. I said, I'll do it for five days for lunch. So I'm not there yet, folks. I mean, I'm being flat out honest with you. I'm not there yet. Part of my issue, and I shared this with you a week ago, I think. Maybe it was last Sunday or maybe it was two weeks ago. My doctor has told me I'm not supposed to fast because of medications that I'm on and because of my health. But God's calling me to fast. And I'm, I'm scared to death to think about a, a seven-day fast, flat-out fast. So I'm like, I'll do one, one meal a day for five days. And I'm not trying to be funny, God. I'm serious. I'm too scared to do a full seven-day fast and not see what's going to happen. I'm, I just, I'm too scared to do it. So I'm, I'm, I'm trying to be obedient, but at the same time, it's hard for me to, to fall back completely. So I'm asking you people to support me in prayer every day this week around the lunch hour. Because my intent is I will be on my face before God for that hour, fasting the meal, and seeking God's plan for me, for this congregation and for the ministry of this church. Because that's the model that I see when I looked at Joshua and Moses. Spending time on my face before God without any other distraction. Literally saying, I'm not leaving the presence of God until I get what I need. And that's what I intend to do. So that the next time somebody says, Pastor, where do you think we need to go first? I can say, I'm not 100% sure, but I've been praying about it, and I sense that God is leading this way. Because I'm hearing His voice, and I've been praying, and I've been spending time with Him and fasting, so I think this is the path we're going to go. But see, I'm not there yet. And quite honestly, I don't think any of your leadership team is there yet. If I asked every, if I, if we took a poll right now of every member of the board of this church, and asked them what God is telling them, I would venture that they, they're pretty much in the same boat as me right now. Because they haven't been coming to me saying, Pastor, this is what I sense God telling us to do. And I believe that's because this one hasn't been the effective leader that he needed to be for the last couple of years. And God has called me to change my leadership style, and I'm doing that. But the reality is, is I need your support. I need you guys prayerfully supporting me as I get before God and say, Lord, guide me, guide our leadership, help us. And if some of you happen to get a word from God before I get one, don't hesitate to come to me and say, Pastor, God's talking to me about this and I don't know what to do with it, but I just wanted to share with you because it may very well be that you're the prophet that needs to step forward and declare that which God wants to have happen. Because, I mean, look at Nathan and David in the story of Bathsheba. Nathan was the one that called David's sin out because it was a prophet of God who came to the leader and said, you're doing wrong, man. You need to get your life right before the blessing's going to come back. So if God begins to speak in your heart as you're praying for me and for this church, please bring that to us. Please. This is a group effort. Our whole purpose is to uplift the name of Christ to see the kingdom of God advance to see the souls that are living in this community saved for eternity so that they don't burn in an eternal hell and I, I, 
regardless of what you believe about heaven and hell and eternity, the bottom line is, is that we have a charge that our Father has given us that we are to go out into the world and proclaim the truth. That we are, are charged with living a holy and righteous life before the people. And quite frankly, we have not been effective in evangelizing our community. If we were, we wouldn't be sitting here with less than 50 in the room. But God has ordained and called forth that we are going to be. And he has said, I, I, he has said to me, the time is now. And quite honestly, if I don't do what I'm supposed to do, God's going to say, okay, Bob, we've played enough. It's time for someone else to come in who will, be, who will obey me. So I'm, I'm 100% in this. I'm 100% in it. But I need your support. I need you to be on your faces before God as well, supporting me in prayer. There's one last story, and, and, and it's... it's it's powerful for me. I don't know if it's going to mean anything to you or not. But it has to do with this idea of Joshua and Moses. And it's one of the, one of the passages that I read this morning. In the story of, Josh, of Moses leading the people um, across the wilderness and then ultimately trying to, to take the land, um, there's this one part where they're, coming, they're being attacked by a group of people. And Moses says to Joshua... I want you to take a contingent of men and I want you to go down and I want you to do battle with them. And while you're doing battle, I'm going to be up on this prominent hill here. And Aaron and her, the spiritual leaders, are going to be here with me. And I'm going to raise my hands up and I'm going to hold my hands to the heavens. And you continue to do battle. And it says in the word of God that as long as Moses held his arms up, that... Joshua was succeeding and the Israelites were winning. But that as Moses' arms got tired and he lowered his arms, and for whatever reason, the Israelites were being taken over in battle by the, by the enemy. And so finally they brought a, a rock for Moses to sit on. And Moses sat on that rock, still keeping his arms raised. And his arms still kept getting tired. And as he would lower his arms, it was like the enemy was taking over again. And so finally Aaron and, 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 and her stood on either side of Moses and they literally held up his arms so that he could hold the staff so that the battle could be won by the Israelites. I don't understand all of what was going on there. It's kind of mumbo jumbo to me. But the bottom line is it's in the scriptures and it's what happened. Well, 12, 13 years ago, maybe 14 years ago, we had a couple in this church. And I won't name them because this is getting recorded for all of posterity. But they were an older couple and their job was to come here and do prayer ministry. And we used to come before the church service on a Sunday morning. And we used to have prayer in the sanctuary at 9.30 in the morning. And then worship team practiced at 10 and then church was at 11. And so anybody who wanted to come and join the pastor in prayer would pray for about 30 minutes. And then we would go to Sunday school and whatever. And one Sunday morning I was here alone. And this couple came in and they said, Pastor, the Lord asked us to come and come alongside you in the manner of Aaron and her. The Lord has asked that you would raise your arms up in worship, but that you would let us support you in it. Okay. So I'm sitting right there on that pew right there. And they got on either side of me. And they're holding onto my arms. <clears throat> my eyes are closed. I'm trying to pray and I'm trying to worship. And the woman bent down and whispered in my ear, Pastor, you have to let go. 
And I couldn't. I couldn't relax my arms. I was holding my arms up. And she whispered again, Pastor, we're not doing our job if you don't let us do our job. You have to release and let us hold your arms. And so I finally did. And as I did, it was as if all of heaven just broke out in streams of glory. I don't know what God was doing in that except that he was teaching me that I needed to stop being such a control freak. I was trying to do it all myself. I had to do it in my own strength and in my own power and I just needed to, I needed to press on because I couldn't fail. And God called these two out to teach me a vital lesson early on in my time as a minister. But there's something about a team effort. There's something about all of us together being on the same page and all of us together working towards the same goal. And the only way we can know the goal is if God reveals it to us. And the only way we can be, have it revealed to us is if we spend time with God listening for it. And so I'm at the very beginning of this process for me. This is, this is new territory for me. It's not, but it is. I mean, I've been here before. But I've, I've failed to do what I was called to do. And I'm done I am going forward. I, 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 whether I'm afraid or whether I'm nervous or whether I'm unsure, I am going to do everything that is within me to be as relaxed and release myself into the presence of God and trust that He is going to guide us. And we'll see where He takes us. But I'm asking you to join me. I'm asking you to become Joshua to my Moses. And whatever way that looks for you and however that plays out, but I believe that that's the next phase in this. The next step in this is to be in prayer and to be fasting. So A, support me as I, as I fast. And if God calls you to, you fast. And let's see where we are in a week or two. And we'll see where God is starting to lead us. Let's pray.